Let me ask you something. What if there was someone out there who kept a log of every single thing you did every minute of the day? That would probably creep you out. Well, that's exactly what happens every time you go online. Your internet provider stores logs of every website you've ever visited and can legally sell this data to anyone. Worse yet, the government can obtain your data via bulk FISA order, even if you're not personally suspected of any crime. That's why I use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your internet provider can't see or log what you do online. Visit expressvpn.com slash mullen right now and find out how you can get three months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash mullen. Protect your data and get three months for free today. Every revolution starts in the minds of the people. Arm yourself for the war of ideas. Take back your life. Take back your liberty. Tom Mullen talks freedom. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. It's December 22nd, just a few days before Christmas, and I was looking forward to this episode to talk about something that uh, I talk about in my book, An Anti-State Christmas, and that is one of uh, the most famous Christmas victims uh, in history, which is Ebenezer Scrooge, and uh, if you don't already have a copy of my book, it is Christmas time and it's free. Just go to antistatechristmas.com. You can download a free PDF copy. If you want to get one that you can hold in your hand, then there's a link there that you could go and buy it on Amazon if you like. But at least get the free version. It's loaded with great content. It's got my piece on, uh, on Old Man Potter from It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, a character very much based on Ebenezer Scrooge. Um, in fact, there are some things that uh, that Potter says that I think are, are, are paraphrases of Dickens uh, in as far as, um, as Scrooge is concerned. Uh, but this is the original. This is the original of that character by Charles Dickens, uh, the man that everyone loves to hate, unjustly, I should say, because Scrooge is really the hero of the story uh, before he's visited by the ghosts. And uh, unlike the way most people interpret the story, this is not a story with a happy ending. Uh, and I'll tell you why as we go through um, uh, analyzing it uh, piece by piece. But, you know, the, the, the standard interpretation of the story is that Scrooge is a, a nasty old guy who's cheap and uh, who's uncharitable and uh, doesn't have any Christmas spirit, of course. Bah humbug, he says. And he actually does say that in the Dickens work um, when his nephew greets him and, and wants to wish him a Merry Christmas. And then uh, what happens over the course of the story is that... Um, Scrooge is visited by these ghosts and he undergoes what in uh, literature they call a sentimental conversion, which means that um, some some traumatic or significant event in a character's life 
causes them to change their whole outlook. And of course, this inspired the Grinch who stole Christmas. He has a sentimental conversion uh, when he realizes that Christmas uh, perhaps means just a little bit more, blah, blah, blah. When the when the Who's starts celebrating Christmas, even though he stole all their toys. So this is a well-known literary device. And let me just say, Charles Dickens, that sniveling socialist, was an excellent writer. I mean, I was an English major. I have a master's degree in English. I, I actually thought about being an English teacher at one time. Um, I think it was sometime in the, li- the late 19th century uh, when I was in graduate school. But uh, you can't, I mean, you don't get much better for fiction writing than uh, than Charles Dickens and novel writing uh, in the English tradition. Uh, we've got a lot, you know, the, the more, the grittier, more realistic stuff, or even the, the, uh, the kind of Kurt Vonnegut, not necessarily uh, realistic, but that kind of style is one thing. Nobody does the style Dickens does here better with all the names that he has during the story. Of course, what better name is there if you're going to try to uh, besmirch someone's character than to, to name him Scrooge? You know, it just sounds like somebody whose face is, is um, you know, twisted up and, and, and somebody took a wrench or, and, just, and just screwed down his face, right? And, of course, that's in um, contrast to his own boss early in his life, Fezziwig. You know, Fezziwig sounds like a party. You know, just when you say hello, hello, Mr. Fezziwig, sounds like it's going to be a good time. So, uh, you know, Dickens is a master, of course. He just is a master at conveying very, very bad ideas. And um, I I guess where we'll start with this is at the beginning, because what's going to happen to Scrooge over the course of this story is he's going to be, I, I mean, the word I come up with is terrorized by supernatural beings who invade his home and, um, take him on an involuntary trip into the past, around London in the present, and into the future, and threaten him, threaten his life. Um, and, and, and why do they do this? Okay, this is the central question, is why do these ghosts come in and, and visit Scrooge? What, what, what starts all this off? And, and if he is indeed terrorized, punished, what's he being punished for? So let's start at the beginning. And, you know, Dickens starts talking about Marley being dead, dead as a doornail, and and how Marley was a lot like Scrooge. She was hard-nosed. You know, th- there's never a, a, a point where Marley or Scrooge is purported to have harmed anybody, okay? They haven't gone out and taken anything away from anybody. Uh, all they've done is run a, a, a business that was obviously profitable, and it's implied that they didn't, you know, take enough of the profits and just give them away to people who they didn't know. That's really it. And then there's the whole farce about Bob Cratchit, you know, something we still hear every day, that he's not paying Bob Cratchit enough, which is ludicrous on its face, and I'll get to why that is in a minute. But um, at the beginning of the story, they talk about Marley being dead, and then um, Scrooge is visited by his nephew, and uh, the nephew wishes him Merry Christmas, and Scrooge gives him the bah humbug, and the nephew is just, uh, just totally 
you know, uh, taken aback that his his uncle he just can't he can't let a, a sleeping dog lie. Let's say his uncle doesn't celebrate Christmas. He doesn't say Merry Christmas back. The nephew invites him over for dinner. Scrooge doesn't want to come. And uh, the nephew says, why? He said, well, you got married, didn't you? And, uh, and uh, you know, the nephew says, yeah, well, what'd you do that for? Because I fell in love and Scrooge has nothing good to say about marriage or being in love. He doesn't want to come. He doesn't want to come over to your house. You know, I'm not defending that, this is a, that Scrooge is a nice guy. But he's not asking anything of the nephew. Just leave me alone and go. At one point he says, you keep Christmas your way. This is the language they use in the story. Keep Christmas. You keep Christmas your way. And and remember, this is 1843. And I'll do it my way. And, and this should really remind everybody of exactly what we're dealing with today. Because that's not good enough for the nephew. And with the typical... I would say the liberal establishment, um, they just won't let you. Look, we're over here in Iowa or whatever. We believe some nutty things. None of that is affecting you. Just let us do our things our own way in Iowa. And you guys in New York and California, you can do whatever you want. That's not good enough for them, right? No, we insist that you live the way we think you should live. And that's exactly what... um, the nephew is telling Scrooge at the beginning of the story. And uh, that's exactly what we hear from these maniacs that rule over us and all of the useful idiots who support them that, you know, we can't just live our lives the way we, we see fit, not harming anybody else, not invading the property of anybody else, but just going about our business. If we're not doing it the way they want us to do it, they they can't they're not happy total strangers they can't just leave alone this is the liberal mind really um at its core and you can see that it was very much alive and well already by 1843 when charles dickens wrote this so uh dickens uh, i mean i'm sorry um the nephew harangues scrooge a little bit more makes this little speech about how just because it hasn't made him rich, you know, keeping Christmas is he's gotten a lot out. Scrooge is like, what good has this ever done you, by the way? <laughs> and then the uh, the nephew makes this little soapbox speech. Um, and, and at one point, Cratchit, whose name we don't know yet, we just know him as Scrooge's clerk, starts clapping. And uh, Scrooge tells him, hey, you're, you're going to be out of a job if I hear another sound out of you. So... Um, which, of course, yeah, you know, Scrooge isn't paying this guy to um, jump into his familial conversations and uh, take a side with the with the the idiot nephew. Um, so uh, that scene ends, and then Scrooge is visited by two guys who um, are hitting him up for a charitable donation. And of course, these guys are about as interested in Scrooge or his business. Uh, as, uh, as as most people that are shaking someone down for money, uh, they come in and ask for the partner, Marley, who's been dead seven years. Or, or they ask, uh, you know, which one are you? Are you Scrooge or are you the other guy, Marley? And uh, so Scrooge quickly sets them straight on that. And then, um, you know, they, they say, you know, we ho- we're hoping that you'll, you're, you'll be just as generous as your partner was. And uh, give us a little something for the poor. 
And of course, there's an aside by Dickens where he says, um, "Yeah, um, yeah, I, he he is as generous as as his partner, who would have said zero as well." <laughs> so Scrooge, I think the first thing he asks him is, "Aren't there any prisons?" <laughs> and uh, you know, of course, the, the, this is good for shock value that I'm sure Scrooge is trying to uh, to to end this conversation as quickly as possible. And then he points out some, he asks some questions that uh, deserve some answering. It's like, well, wait a minute. We have the poor laws in England, right? And haven't I already been, haven't I already paid for these people? Haven't, uh, don't we have union workhouses and, you know, all kinds of other institutions, government institutions to supposedly take care of the poor? And, uh, you know, you never really get a good answer to that. If, if I'm already paid for this, why are you asking me to pay again? Is it a is it the fact that these institutions don't actually work? They don't actually uh, uh, provide what they they say they're going to provide. Um, and and don't get me wrong. Listen, I own a business about as big <laughs> as uh, as Scrooge's. It's not finance, so it's retail. So, um, uh, you know, it it doesn't make nearly the money that I think Scrooge. Uh, uh, does or, or is purported to, to make, but, um, and yes, you know, there's some people that come around at Christmas that looking for, um, a donation. And I usually, uh, I give, I give one. Okay. So I'm not saying that there's something bad about it, but I, I want to talk about that too later on. Uh, is it really a, a good use of funds or, or not? But, um, so Scrooge tells him no. The bottom line is he's not giving a donation. He already paid for this once to the government. He didn't have a choice. So um, he decides not to give any more. Uh, you don't have to like that answer. But I guess where I'm coming from on this is he certainly hasn't committed a crime because the vast majority of people, well over 90% of the population, does not donate to charities at Christmas. Um, yeah, most most people can't afford to do that. Scrooge, he can. He chooses not to. Like I said, you don't have to like it, but I can't see with all the bad things that people are doing in December that he should be singled out for this supernatural war- waterboarding he's about to endure um, that does not end well at all. I mean, they they... they they lead you to believe that the ending of, of a Christmas Carol is happy, but it's not, and I'll and I'll get into why in a minute. So uh, these people depart, and Scrooge eventually makes it back to his house, and he uh, is first visited by uh, his old dead partner Marley, Marley's ghost, right? And Marley comes back to warn him that um, you know. Your fate could be the same as mine. It's implied Marley's gone to hell. Now, again, you know, Marley never killed anybody. He never stole from anybody. As far as we know, Marley, it's it's said flat out that he was a very good businessman. And you can't be a good businessman um, if you're if you're breaking your contracts with your customers. You will lose your customers, right? So he must have done well and pleased his customers for all of his life. So we can only guess that he lived an honorable life. He ran a profitable business, but that he wasn't uh, charitable enough 
or, you know, even cheerful enough. That's one of the things about this is that not only is, is Scrooge, um, not, you know, is blamed for not giving away enough to charity in addition to the money he's already paid to the government for charity, but he's just not even, he it's, he's like committed some kind of crime because he's not cheerful enough at Christmas. He doesn't do it the way other people think he should. And, and somehow or other, he's going to be punished for that quite severely. Um, just complete nonsense. So Marley, uh, if you haven't read the story, actually, uh, it, some of the uh, film versions follow it pretty well. Uh, when I was growing up, my dad was always saying, oh, Alice, the Alistair Sim version is the best version. And uh, he's probably right about that. I mean, all of these are vastly overrated. Um, although Alistair Sim, um, I think actually maybe he was a, a stealth interpreter of the real, what's really going on here, because I think his demeanor at the end of uh, his version, I can't remember what it's called, whether it's Scrooge or a Christmas Carol or whatever, but at the end of that movie, uh, Alistair Sim really, um, kind of, uh, does a good job of, bringing to life the Scrooge that that uh, Dickens describes at the end of A Christmas Carol. Um, but Marley warns him he's going to be visited by these three ghosts, these three spirits, and uh, he still has a chance to turn it around and not up, end up like Marley, you know, kind of slogging through the afterlife in chains um, because he was a, a guy just like Scrooge. So... I don't want to go through every event of the story because that would be a long podcast. And most people know this backwards and forwards, if not from the book or the novella or whatever it is, it's not quite a whole novel. Um, then at least from one of the film versions, by the way, the best one is by far the best one is, uh, the Bill Murray version. Come on, just hilarious. And, um, and in that one, at least there's some justification. I mean, this, the, he's a little bit more of a bad actor, uh, the Bill Murray character, than um, Scrooge. Although there's a good argument, he doesn't deserve what he gets in that that movie either. But uh, very funny, Carol Kane again, hilarious in that. That bitch hit me with a toaster, like my favorite line in, in any Christmas movie ever. Um, but um, anyway, back to the story. So here's the, the the fundamental question: Why do the ghosts pick Scrooge? And what are they trying to accomplish? And I think that the answer is supposed to be that they're trying to save his soul. But they're not really. Let's really think about what what they do and why they terrorize him throughout the night on Christmas Eve. It's not their soul he's interested in. It's his money. That's what they want. They shake him down. Uh, uh terrorize him waterboard him for to get money out of him to give to their to wherever they think it should it should go now i'm not saying that the ghosts uh the you know christmas past and christmas present need the money for themselves but like like every limousine liberal they don't think that scrooge is spending his own money the way he should and they're going to um you know forcibly extract it from him and and give it to somebody else or 
in this case, they're going to make Scrooge do that against his will uh, and and leave him at the end of the story um, much worse off than than at the beginning. In fact, pr- destroyed, really. Uh, at the end of the story, the, the Scrooge we knew at the beginning has been destroyed. Now, let's just talk about the Scrooge at the beginning and the end, and then I want to talk about Cratchit for a minute and Tiny Tim. At the beginning of the movie, Scrooge is a cheapskate. You know, they even say that he, he doesn't like let uh, Cratchit come in and um, and get more coal for the fire. So, you know, Cratchit's trying to use like a, a comforter and uh, and the candle along with his little bit of coal and his in his heater to stay warm while he works. Right. So, um, you know, this is the businessman, the small businessman, according to uh, socialist Charles Dickens. And by the way, when I say that. I'm not being hyperbolic. Charles Dickens was a self-proclaimed socialist. So a lot of people probably don't know that, but yes, he was. Um, so he's cheap, but why is he rich? Nobody ever really stops to think. Of course, Dickens doesn't stop to think he's rich. He's rich because he, he underpays employees and he doesn't give anything to charity. Okay, well, that's the cost side. Where does the revenue side come from for for Scrooge? Scrooge, I mean, we don't, we're not told the, the, the specifics of what he does, but it's some kind of finance. It's some some kind of investing. Um, you know, investing was not quite as diverse and complex as it is today, uh, but he invests in things and they are profitable. So, of course, you know, nobody gives any credit to a guy who does that for a living. But it's not easy. Most people who would try to do that would lose their shirt fast. And many people who go into that business do lose their shirt. The fact that Scrooge has been doing it for decades and has become a wealthy man means that he's directed capital towards things that make a profit. And what does that mean? It means that he's built houses and bridges and railroads and whatever, uh, retail stores and uh, all kinds of things that people wanted enough to part with their money for. They thought that what Scrooge provided with his own money was worth more than the money that they were asked to pay for it. And Scrooge was able to make a profit. So Scrooge has benefited London and England far more than all the people dropping coins in the Salvation Army combined in in the history of Salvation Army, okay? Because he's created opportunities where people can work and have an ongoing income. You know, this is one of the things I mentioned, you know, he's shamed for not giving to charity, but really what is going to help more people if he just... And I don't know what the, the amounts would be in 1843 England if he gave five pounds to these these shakedown artists that come to his office and they went and bought some food or blankets for, quote, the poor. There's always this the poor, like there's some uh, group of people out there and that's their job to be the poor. You know, when we look at the groups of people in these different income quintiles in America today, we see that there's a lot of mobility. Whoever's in the bottom 20% now 
a big percentage of them are, are almost all of them are not going to be there forever. And some of them are going to make it to the top 20% uh, within a few decades. So of course this, it's always like presented as if these are always the same people who are just slogging away forever for low wages, just barely making it. And of course that's not how the real world works. Um, But if he had given that money, it would have been spent on consumption. It would have been consumed the same day, within a week, whatever, and it'd be gone. And those people would need more food after they consumed it. And I mean, everybody knows the teach a man, a, uh, give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day, teach a man to fish, he'll eat for a lifetime, blah, blah, blah. It's really more like invest that money in, in a profitable enterprise and you can hire that person to do work that's productive and that person will eat better for the rest of his life. So there really is a question whether it does, it's a good thing to give that money to charity. I mean, it really makes the person who gives it feel good. And, uh, I'm not saying it's never appropriate. Uh, but, um, you know, it's not, it's not a slam dunk here. Like if everyone just gave to charity, you know, rich people in America give lots more to charity than everybody in history has given, uh, up until now. Right. I mean, it, there, there's just not even a comparison. The amount, even when adjusted for inflation is, is blows everybody out of the water, United States charity. Okay. And there's still this, Oh my God, things are so bad. The poor, blah, 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 blah. So, um, but what we do know is that thousands, I I mean, it wouldn't, uh, tens of thousands uh, of people have benefited from what Scrooge has done directing capital to the right place. This is before he's visited by the ghost. This is in his former life, what he's done, you know, being a skin flint. And it's not that he... um, uh, benefited all these people because he was a skin flint that helps you know his bottom line to to keep going and be able to do it the next day yeah he probably could spend a little more on coal uh on bob cratchit uh or or he probably could give a few bucks to the guys who shake him down but the bottom line is whether he does those things or not it's what he does in his business that benefits the most people far more then he will ever benefit giving his money away. And of course he gets no credit for that. No, no businessman does. And and here's the quintessential point, I think, and this is, I, I think the liberal mind in a nutshell, it doesn't matter what the results of what you do are. It only matters what your intentions are. And if there's one thing that defines the liberal now, you know, I spend plenty of time bashing conservatives today. I'm not going to be doing that. Um, but, um, so I, I, I consider myself neither, but, um, you know, the liberal is only concerned about intentions and completely unconcerned about results. So as you know, and if you haven't heard it, you should definitely go on YouTube, search invisible hand, Tom Mullen, Watch my music video made by the great Brian Seaman um, about the invisible hand of the market. The only rock anthem ever recorded, as far as I can tell, if somebody has, uh, I'm sorry, free market rock anthem, the only one that specifically sings the praises of the free market. 
And the invisible hand concept is basically this. And Adam Smith said this, not not first in Wealth of Nations, but in his earlier book, Theory of Moral Sentiments, that people pursuing their self-interest do far more good for society than people intentionally trying to do good for society. This is a concept that is just anathema to the liberal mind. Um, they just can't, they just can't brook it. It's undeniably true. Okay. Everything around us, this, this, this miracle civilization that we live in, it all came from people pursuing their self-interest. None of it, zero came from uh, people working on some government program. None. Okay, the government programs are always a, a deadweight loss, often a total loss. Um, and, and, you know, just name anything, telephones, airplanes, the desk I'm sitting at, the couch you're sitting on, the car you're driving in, everything, everything about your life, everything you use every day. It was all invented or produced by somebody pursuing profits, their own self-interest. They didn't do it because they cared about you or me or that people would have cars, or they weren't sitting around saying, I, w- I want people to more be, be more comfortable. I'm going to make a, a, a plushy le- leather couch or whatever. No, they wanted to make money for themselves. And to do that, they had to please customers more than the people you know, that are competing with them or offering them competing products. That's how the world works. I'm sorry. That's ch- It's just true. Is that good? Is it bad? I don't... Call it whatever you like. It's just the truth. And uh, no liberal can handle this truth. And, uh, and all of their little morality plays in every movie is about some kind of selflessness. They, and they'll even use the word often where the hero has to be selfless. But that's not what makes people's lives better. It never has. It never will. Um and uh, they just can't. And, and the, the opposite side of this is that if your intentions are in line with what they think they should be, then it doesn't matter how much a disaster what you're doing um, you know, turns out to be. It doesn't matter about the results. If the results are disastrous, it doesn't matter because your intentions were good. I mean, think about the Department of Education. Complete disaster. I mean, it couldn't be worse, really. When you look at the the literacy rates and, and any kind of objective measure of uh, the quality of education and the the um, how educated people are when they come out of the system, I mean, since the Department of Education has been around, the money spent on it has gone straight up, and the results have gone straight down. This is not an opinion. This is something you can go look up for yourself. Nobody really denies it. That's why they're always asking for more money. We got to spend more money on education because we're not getting the results. Um, and okay, I will bash conservatives. You could say the same about the drug war, uh, with um, its results. And 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 go ask a conservative. Do you think we should legalize drugs? And that's such an obvious yes. The results of the drug war mirror the results of alcohol prohibition so tightly. I mean, only, but they're emotionally attached, okay? And that's the problem. 
So they act just like liberals. You know, the intentions are good. Well, we, we can't just give up. Yeah, you can. They just gave up on alcohol prohibition, and that was a win. That was a complete success. Um, but I digress. Let's get back to Scrooge. Scrooge's intentions aren't good, even though his results before the story are phenomenal. And uh, so, therefore, he must be terrorized. Um, and the other thing that Scrooge is accused of, which every employer, I think, in the world is accused of, is not paying his employees enough. Now, I think he's only got Cratchit. There might, I can't remember if they mentioned another clerk. They might in the story because I didn't reread it before this. I just going on memory. And I do have it open here. And there might be one other clerk. I think there is. But we hear about Cratchit. And, of course, Cratchit has this, has this kid, Tiny Tim, who's got an illness, terrible. He's just a kid, so it's, you, know, you can't really lay any blame on him. But he's not paying Cratchit enough. Well, according to whom? So here's one thing that's true. Scrooge is paying Cratchit more than anybody else in London is willing to pay Cratchit, right? I mean, that's just a fact. If there was somebody else willing to pay Cratchit more, Cratchit, I assume, would take that job to try to use the extra money to put more towards Tiny Tim's health care. Now, this is really the story with every employee at every job everywhere in the world, okay? Whatever job anybody has, they're being paid more than anyone else is willing to pay them. Otherwise, they would go take that other job. So if if you think their situation is bad, and this goes for so-called sweatshops in China or wherever, or... or um, Walmart, excuse me, Walmart employees here, uh, whatever. If you think that their situation is is bad, I, I don't even want to say unjust, but a lot of people think it is, then how can the employer be the bad guy? The employer is paying them more than anybody else is willing to pay them. What? Why? Why is the employer, the one doing that, singled out for... Uh, you know, that, that they're the one doing something wrong. What about everybody else? Well, I mean, the the um, truth of the matter is, is that this person is being paid at their, you know, an economist would say at their marginal pro- productivity. I mean, they're being paid what their work is worth, not what they're worth as a person. Okay, let's not go into that straw man. Are you saying that there's anybody out there who's only worth da-da-da-da? No, no. We're not talking about what the person is worth. We're talking about the thing they're selling to the employer, that service that they pr- provide, that they are selling to an employer. What's that worth? That's determined by the market the same way the price of your house when you sell it is determined by the market. Whatever the highest bidder uh, is, that's how much your house is worth. Okay, That's how much that person's service that they're selling is worth. Now, that person that's making, well, it used to, minimum wage now in New York, is I think it's like $14 an hour. Um, and even that's not enough, supposedly. But let's say it's not enough. That person making $14 an hour is probably not going to be making $14 an hour his or her own, uh, whole life. 
Okay. I, I actually got accosted in McDonald's. I had to go in there because the, the drive through line was long and my daughter wanted um, some um, something from there. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to go in. I haven't been in one in, God, many, many years. And uh, it was actually shorter to go in where I went, by the way, to the kiosk and, and made my order with a machine that replaced the human who wanted too much money. And this guy walks up to me, just... He was a young guy, I would say late 20s, early 30s. And out of the blue, I mean, I'm just a stranger. I, you know, he, it's not like they he knew who I was or I listened to my podcast or anything like that. I'm just, he walks up to a random stranger and he says, you know, I make, I can't remember what he said, $18 an hour in the place across the street. And uh, there's no reason why the, these this company, like it pisses me off, this company only pays them 15 or something like that. And um, I and here <laughs> it was like a lot like Scrooge in this in this encounter, right? I'm like, look, I want to pay for my daughter's chicken McNuggets or whatever it was she bought and get out of here away from this guy. I don't even know who he is. Who, who knows? He might be a maniac. And I said, well, I don't see it that way, but... Uh, you know, teach his own. That's, and I try, I'm trying to gracefully get out of it, but I'm not going to agree with the idiot, you know? So, and he said, uh, well, how do you see it? And look, good on him. All right. Cause most people that, that you said that to would react a different way. He wanted to hear why he, I didn't agree with that. And I said, look at these people here. Look how old they are. They're all, you know, we're looking at the people at McDonald's behind the counter. They're teenagers, early 20s, most of them. Here and there, there's a person that's, you know, maybe middle-aged, and there's all kinds of reasons they may be working there, too. And there's nothing wrong with working at McDonald's if you're middle-aged, by the way. Uh, again, this is that's your life. Uh, you know, This could be a retired person. It could be a billionaire who just wants to get out of the house. I don't know. Um, but uh, mostly young people. I said, these people aren't going to be earning this money forever right now number one uh they don't have any experience they may not even have a complete education and i don't know why you think that mcdonald's should pay them more for this service i said but the the main reason i don't agree with you is that mcdonald's right now is paying every one of those people you're looking at more than anyone else is willing to pay them so how can mcdonald's be the bad guy and he actually said, I never thought of it that way. I said, well, think about it. I said, nice to see you. Paid for my my stuff. And I left and thought, you know, there were three or four people standing around. They all heard that too. My, my good deed is done for the day. But likewise, Scrooge is paying Cratchit more than anyone else in London or for all we know in the world is willing to pay Cratchit. Now, what do we know of Cratchit's work? Uh, we don't get much information. We do know that the day after Christmas, he shows up 20 minutes late. And what's his excuse? He's hung over. Okay. Well, um, you know, we all, you, me, everybody, we've all worked the day after Christmas and we all showed up on time. You know, that, I mean, maybe that was a one-off in Cratchit's life, but it kind of is an indication of what kind of employee he might be. We certainly don't have any other information about the great things he's done for Scrooge. 
We just know that the that he has to wear a comforter because Scrooge is cheap on uh, heating fuel and that he showed up late because he was too hungover from Chris. He says we were making rather merry last night. Okay. Translation, I'm hungover and I, <laughs> I'm late. And, it, and again, not five minutes, 20. I think it's, I think it's 18 minutes. So it's debatable that Cratchit would be working at all if it wasn't for Scrooge. Scrooge is literally saving his life and the life of his family. Of course, they return uh, that service to Cratchit with all kinds of scorn. You know, the the, the Christmas present ghost takes him um, to the Cratchit house and he sees Tiny Tim is sick. And the ghost tells him, yeah, Tiny Tim's going to die. I see an empty chair there. And uh, the wife of Scrooge, uh, you know, good for her. She's she's behind her man. She says, you know, I, I would, I'm only drinking to Scrooge because you asked me to. And Cratchit, to his credit, doesn't like all this bad talk about Scrooge. He's like, please, it's Christmas. You know, what he should say is, please, this, this guy is putting this roof over our heads. Yeah, you may not like what he pays me or you might not like the roof, but without him, we might not have any. Uh, and certainly no one else is offering me more. So, um, you know, those words never leave Cratchit's lips, but, you know, he takes the high ground and says we shouldn't speak ill of uh, Scrooge on Christmas. So Scrooge gets terrorized, and again, I won't go through every bit of the story, but we all know how it ends. He wakes up on Christmas morning after being shown his own grave. Um <laughs> You know, and, and with the thought of Marley in his head, uh, dry, being chained for all eternity, Tiny Tim dead, somehow this is Scrooge's fault. Um, and, and what does he do? He starts doing the opposite of what he's done his whole life. He starts making one bad decision after another. And I mentioned early on, earlier on that um, the Alistair Sim uh, version, Alistair Sim really takes off you know, he really does a good job at bringing to life the Scrooge at the end of uh, Dickens' piece because uh, Dickens says that at the end, you know, first he buys this huge turkey. Then after Cratchit shows up 20 minutes late, he gives him a raise. For what reason? I don't know. He was already paying him more than anyone else is willing to pay him, even though the guy, like, misses work because he drinks too much. Um and it says at the end, some people laugh to see the alteration in him, but he let them laugh and little heeded them, for he was wise enough to know that nothing ever happened on this globe for good and da 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 a bunch of platitudes after. So people are laughing at Scrooge at the end because he's acting very, very um, foolishly. And all of the attributes about Scrooge at the beginning are gone. He's no longer making good business decisions. Which means, I don't know, is he going to go out of business? We don't know what happened to him after. It's kind of uh, implied there's a happily ever after and Tiny Tim didn't die. And now, now he's giving uh, Cratchit health care benefits in addition to a higher salary for his substandard work. Um, and what can we assume from this? In the real world, Cratchit would go out of business. So all the good he would have done London in the future has been erased Okay, at least, thank goodness, these ghosts didn't find him until late in life. Um, and, 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 and if he goes out of business, of course, Cratchit's got no job. 
And who's going to hire this guy who uh, shows up late for work, uh, isn't particularly impressive in any way at, at, at any point in this story? We get nothing to say, well, there's a Cracker Jack there. Boy, Scrooge is lucky to have him. You know, there's nothing There's nothing in the story that implies that. There's nothing about his demeanor that, um, that allows us to even imagine that. So, of course, um, Scrooge and Tiny Tim are going to be in a very bad way at the end of the story. You know, Dickens just doesn't want to acknowledge that. Once he's got Scrooge giving away his money, overpaying his employees and doing all the things that he's never done before uh, to to um, be such a benefit to society, then uh, we wrap it up happily ever after. Thank God this doesn't really happen in the real world because, of course, if Jeff Bezos did this and all the people who uh, provide us with the uh, lifestyle that we have we, we'd all be living in, in, in 10,000 B.C. again as hunter-gatherers. So this is a very sad ending. It's, it really is not appropriate for Christmas, which is a happy season. It celebrates uh, the Savior of the world. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, uh, Scrooge was one of those saviors in real life of the world at the beginning of the story. And at the end, he's just going to be another um, uh, failed business who um, used to employ people and now himself is destitute. Uh, his uh, one or two employees will be destitute. And uh, Tiny Tim may take a turn for the worse since uh, the money that was previously available for his health care is no longer there. So uh, with that, I do want to end on a happy note. Don't don't read this story. I if you haven't already read it, if you haven't watched the movies, some of them are entertaining. Watch the Bill Murray version because that's very much it's in the same spirit as um as uh, a Christmas carol. It's got the same bad premise, the same dumb uh socialist premise, but um you know, there it's a lot more entertaining. And uh certainly not as a finger wagging as Everything is really in Dickens. That that's the one thing where I think you know, as talented a writer as he was, uh, when you really read his stories and you understand the way the world works in real life, you know, the finger wagging gets a little old. Um, so, Merry Christmas, everybody! I want to thank you for a wonderful year, and um, I'm I'm really committed to try to get the podcast back to. Uh, at least once a week. That's my that's my goal. Um, doing this retail business, of course, was a little harder than uh, probably anybody could imagine. Just in the amount of time you have to be at the place. Um, but I'm really enjoying it, to be honest with you. I, it feels like I'm not even working um, because uh, I enjoy the work that I do, and I hope you do too. I hope you have a Merry Christmas and a happy and prosperous New Year. And we'll see you next time on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. All right, friends, that's going to do it for today. Just a few reminders to stop by TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash support and check out all the ways that you can support my efforts here, including joining my Patreon or my Substack. And if you haven't already, make sure that you go to ItsTheFedStupid.com to download a copy of my free ebook. It's the Fed, stupid. 
And as always, if you like the music you've heard here on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, you can hear more at TomMullenSings.com. Thanks for listening. The war of ideas has only just begun. Arm yourself with the knowledge you need by heading to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com and subscribing to our email list. And remember, every revolution starts in the minds of the people.